look into the real estate space and figure out what you like to do and then find someone that's doing it at a high level and study and shadow them and pay whatever it costs to get around them and learn from them. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today, Kevin Carroll. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing outstanding. Nice to have you on the show and looking forward to diving in. Kevin specializes in REO and investment properties with nine years of real estate business experience. He recently released his new book, A Journey to Financial Independence, and he and his team have sold 1,000 units and almost flipped 100 homes based in Boise, Idaho. With that being said, Kevin, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? We started out nine years ago selling bank-owned properties, and two years ago, we realized that those banks had taught us how to flip houses. So I raised a bunch of cash and reached out to my friends across the country that I knew and started looking at deals. If anyone wants a copy of my free flip sheet, they can go to a journey to financialindependence.com and get my free flip sheet. So it's something I use every day to analyze these flip properties. So they have that. And I just kind of started looking around and trying to make a little bit better money by doing things myself and controlling more of the process. And we learned a lot along the way. You can't do that many properties without having a few fumbles. So we're learning as we go and we're definitely looking for more deals, but we're being a little bit more specific. I know what I'm good at. And so I'm, I'm trying to focus on that as well. All right. Well, you've given me a lot to work with. I'll approach it from a more chronological standpoint because there are a lot of directions we can take this. You started working with banks and you said they taught you the flipping process. Can you elaborate? 
When a bank gives you a property to list, it usually comes in an email and they say, here's an address, go tell us what we have. So we go to the property. If it's occupied, we have to do a find out if it's a tenant or it's a, uh, if it's you know an owner-occupant that got foreclosed on and ask them to leave and give them cash or keys sometimes. So that means we give them a check for whatever the bank agrees upon and then they leave the house in broom clean condition. So they either do or they don't. And then we get the house and get bids to clean it up and fix it up to a standard that we want and to say like, if we do these things, we can get this kind of offer and this is the price we think we should list it for and this is the route we think we should go. And then we'll give them repair bids to that effect. And then the asset manager that works at the bank takes that and creates a marketing strategy based on our advice and then also they may get a second opinion of value. So then they're going to make a marketing plan and then they want us to implement that plan for them. Okay, do these repairs listed at this price and present the offers back to us. So we've done that almost a thousand times. And when you do it that many times, you have really good subs and contractors. I know exactly how much it costs to fix anything. And then we're able to take that knowledge and say, okay, well, what if we do it for ourselves? Like, what does that look like? So that's what we started to do. Let's talk about how much it costs to fix anything. What is something that surprisingly is inexpensive and what's something that's surprisingly expensive? I can answer that a couple different ways. Like our typical remodel is about 40,000 bucks. So in that is kitchens and bathrooms, maybe a roof, maybe an HVAC system. Something that make a huge difference. Some of the banks have a lot of handcuffs where their investors say they can only do a certain amount of things or they can't spend more than 500 bucks no matter what. So I don't have any of those handcuffs. So it makes sense to me. I'm going to do it. And I'm able to do it, execute it a lot quicker because I don't need to get three bids. I want you to pick your best contractor and use them and get it done fast. Mm -hmm. So I kind of taken the best parts of what I learned and then taken out some of the inefficiencies. But some things that make a huge difference are curb appeal. Might not cost much to paint the front door and put a new lock set on, but it makes a big difference. And some of the more expensive things, we've had some water mitigation issues where there's water in the crawl space from a hillside or something like that. And that's kind of a huge unknown. So we've had some things like that where I thought it'd be easy to fix and it would cost 20,000 bucks. Ouch. Things like that, that you didn't account for along the way. On the water mitigation front, anything that you look for now with homes that would be a red flag? Yeah, wet crawl space. <laughs> yeah, bunch of but, bunch of standing water. Yeah, and, and, I mean and it was tadpoles. pretty obvious, but it was like, oh, that's going to be easy, and it wasn't. So, yeah, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but stuff like that. Or we had one we had to cancel, had a cracked foundation, and it just wasn't fixable. So there's certain areas of the country that are more prone to. Like Florida has sinkholes. I live in Idaho. I've never even heard of a sinkhole until I started buying houses there where the house literally caves in upon itself because there's a hole in the ground. So like termites and things. So different areas of the country have different challenges, but a house is a house and they're all kind of built the same way. Let's talk about how you have evolved your business. What you were initially taking properties that the bank had and listing them, right? Yeah, and I still okay. do that quite a you bit. You still do that. Okay, yeah. you still do that. But then you said you were doing that for a while, you learned the process, and then you, in your words, you went out and raised a bunch of cash and started looking for your own deals. How much cash did you raise? $2.5 million. Okay, you raised $2.5 How many people 
put in the money to make up the two point five? Not very many. Just a couple of close friends. Okay. So, about yeah. how about how many? Two, um, five, three. Yeah, three. Yeah. Okay. I guess when I said about how many, I meant <laughs> I meant exactly yeah. about, <laughs> yeah. about how many. Exactly. Give me a specific yeah. and, number. And roughly. I've been doing business with these people for a long time too, and they trust me. And so that's half the battle. But then it's proven you can do it. And then working on becoming more efficient and getting better. And when you start buying stuff across state lines, you have to register to do business in these states. I mean, it got really complicated really fast. I'm buying properties in eight different states. And there's accounting stuff and attorney stuff and different things that I didn't even know we had to do until we started to do it. And head of companies were asking, well, where's this document? (laughs) So we're learning as we go. But it really, when you start doing it at a little bit higher level, you get introduced to new friends and new opportunities. And I'm not afraid now to look at properties. Now I'm looking at a piece of dirt with a couple of duplexes that we could put 11 more in Indianapolis right now. I would have never even thought I could do that before. And now I just starting to analyze that. So I'm able to look at opportunities in other places and it opened my eyes up to a lot more opportunity. The 2.5 million from three people on average, that's $833,000 a person that they're putting in. Not looking for names, obviously, but I am curious. I know the best ever listeners are curious, or I think some of them are, how you met these three people. You said you've been doing business with them for a long time, but tracing back exactly where you met them, where did you meet each of these three people? Well, one's my mother and one's my brother, so I've known them for a while. (laughs) And then... The third lady I've known for about seven years. I'm in a networking group with her and she, she's seen me grow as a person and she knows my experience and it's not a lot of money to her. So it's more of a test, really. Mm-hmm. What networking group are you in? I'm in a couple of different ones. GoBundance. Have you heard of that? I have. Yeah. That's with uh, Pat Hilde. Hild- Pat Hyben. Hyben. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. He's one of the founders of that. And yeah, outstanding group. Super outstanding. And then the real estate group's called the ERN or the Elite Real Estate Network. So it's a pretty tight-knit group of real estate agents that are in non-competing markets that we travel and network together and help each other get business. So it's a pretty small group of close friends I've known for a long time. Which of those groups did this investor who you've known for seven years come from? The Elite Real Estate Network. The GoBundance is all guys group. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Dude Fest. I remember now. Okay. So you raised the money. How did you structure it? Did you create a fund? No, it's just an LLC that I don't own, but I'm a member. So I'm a 0% owner member. So I have signing rights on those corporations and I have access to bank accounts and stuff like that. So I can encumber and sell properties in those corporations. So I became uh, an authorized agent and a member of them. So I'm able to do that had a couple of documents I had to get notarized. If you're a 0% ownership member, then how do you make money on this? See, we structured it is, say you're a realtor in Chicago and I do business with you. I look at all my real estate agents as partners. So I don't think of you as a real estate agent. I think of you as a partner. So you find a deal, we analyze it. We say, yeah, it's going to make money. So the real estate agent takes the property. And just like I do for banks, they do the same thing for me. So they analyze it, coordinate the repairs. So I buy the house in that LLC and then they coordinate the repairs, finish those, list the house and sell it for free. And then they get 40% of the profit of the deal. 
I keep 25% and the investor gets 35% for their time. So it enabled me to scale because I don't have to make all the small decisions. They do because they make a large portion of the profit. So I'm not picking out paint colors and making all these little decisions. When we list it, they say, this is the plan. This is what we execute. And we just move forward. So if something needs to be fixed, they fix it. They don't have to ask me for any small details because they now become more of a partner in my eyes than just an agent where they're asking permission for things. It's more of like, hey, what's going to make the most sense? Let's have, let's do that. That's an interesting structure. Thanks for sharing this. How'd you come up with that idea? I just thought of it. I don't know. I just <laughs> made it up. Real estate agents that are really good ones don't get paid enough in my mind, especially for doing that much work. So. I wanted to make a model that compensated them significantly so that they start wanting to do more of this. Because a lot of people, if you just make a 3% commission, you have to manage all that work and the contractors and all that stuff. Just selling a house is fine, 3%. But if you're managing the renovations and stuff, you should be paid more. That's what I believe. What's the last deal that you did? I'm in a couple right now that are kind of interesting. I bought a non-performing note up in Spokane Valley, Washington from a junk note dealer and had to foreclose on it. I've never done that before. So I became the bank. And then I foreclosed on it. I set the foreclosure price at the auction. Nobody bought it. So then I listed it in the MLS and it's kind of messed up state for a month and no one bought it. And so then I hired a contractor to fix it and he started working on it and he worked on it for about two months and then stopped. He did nothing for two months. <laughs> so I've paid him about $7,000 too much. But he was working. I gave him money. He did the roof. I gave him money. He did the siding. I gave him money. He fixed the inside. I gave him more money for the cabinets, and then he just vanished. So <laughs> I took my crew from here in, in Boise, and we drove up there, and we spent seven days there, and we fixed the house. Put it on the market on Friday, got four offers within a day and a half, and now it's pending. So as I go and I learn, I'm able to kind of adjust and I've got such great contractors here that I'm just so lucky to have them. And I think they feel the same way about me. So I try to keep them as busy as I can and make them as much money as I can. So that one we kind of repaired and fixed. And I've had another one like that one with the water damage in Seattle had the same problem too. I had to take my guys and literally had to go there and fix it. The non-performing note. What city is that in? Spokane Valley, Washington. It's right on the Idaho border. How far away is that from Boise? It's a seven-hour drive. How many contractors drove from Boise to Spokane and did this me, me and three guys. What were your all-in costs? And when I say that, I mean, what did you buy the oh, non-performing um, note for? I bought then... it for, yeah, I bought it for 46000 okay. And then I got a hard money loan on it. It was supposed to go a lot quicker. So a lot of it went sideways, but I had a contractor bid for forty grand to fix the house. And I think he may have underbid it, and that's why he stopped. But... I paid him 16000 and then I spent another thirty fixing it, something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all in a little under 100 Yeah, but then there's some hard money costs and loan fees, and this is the ones you learn on, right? Yeah. So it wasn't connected to the city sewer, and it was supposed to be. So I had to pay a $5,000 fine because it had... <laughs> Three years of back due sewer bills that weren't paid because it wasn't connected. So I had to pay someone to connect it to the sewer and then to pay the $5,000 back due penalties and a couple years of back taxes. And so some of those things I knew about and some of those things I didn't. So luckily, when they have a surging market, some of those things are forgiven. (laughs) But we're going to do okay. 
we're not going to hit a home run, but we're going to get our money back and lick our wounds and go again. And, and you what learn you, from these things. So, What is it under contract for? We listed at 130 and we got it a little higher than that. So okay. there's multi-offers. And that was kind of, I think, probably close to our break-even point when you think about all the numbers and everything like that. But mm-hmm. luckily, I was able to save it and get our money back and make a little bit and make our contractors some money and move on. But every time I learn a little bit and a lot of it comes down to execution and speed and picking the right subs and contractors. And then for me now, anytime I pay somebody anything, I have someone I know and trust to verify they did the work first before I pay them. So mm-hmm. that's my lesson. I like Verify, that. then pay. Yep. Makes sense. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say look into the real estate space and figure out what you like to do and then find someone that's doing it at a high level and study and shadow them and pay whatever it costs to get around them and learn from them. That's your fastest way to succeed, in my opinion. So get some new friends that are doing exactly what you want to be doing, shadow them, do whatever it takes to get in front of them and learn from them. And you are not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk because you're a member of a couple masterminds and one of them, the Elite Real Estate Network, one of your big time investors came from that network. Yeah. And the GoBundance Group, there's tons of resources there. I'm building a 100-unit rental portfolio in Tampa, Florida right now with another GoBundance guy. So we've got lots of fun things happening in our world. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, Make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com. Best ever book you read? Best ever book I read? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Best ever deal you've done? Double-ended a piece of land here in Idaho, made an $80,000 commission check. That was pretty nice. What do you mean double-ended? We represent the buyer and the seller. Ah, okay. Best ever way you like to give back? By writing the book... And doing podcasts like this, I really hope to show people, your listeners and and people out there that this is an amazing industry that we're in. And I think that we all have a responsibility to figure out a way to, what I like to call, become a 100%er. So have your passive investments, have them pay more to you every month than you need to live. So I want to teach people how to do that so that they don't have to work anymore. What's a mistake that you've made, tactically speaking, on a deal that you haven't mentioned already? Usually when we make mistakes, we overestimate what we can sell it for. So we think we'll sell it for 200 and it really sells for 180 And we underestimate what the repairs are going to be. That's probably the easiest thing to get away from you. So if you have a $30,000 budget and you spend fifty, dollars well, that's obviously a problem. But it's very easy to do. So that's probably the hardest thing to stay in budget. Where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Go to a journey to financial com 
and you can contact me, email me there, get my free flip sheet, all that fun stuff. Excellent. Well, Kevin, enjoyed our conversation learning about your business model with the LLC and how you work with other agents who oversee the projects and how you structure that with your investors and how you met one of your big time investors through a networking group. And then the case study of buying the non-performing note. I've interviewed non-performing note investors and I haven't heard as detailed of a case study as you just gave when it didn't work out. Previous guests certainly told me about when it didn't, but I haven't heard of anyone taking contractors on a seven-hour road trip. <laughs> we we lived in the house, yeah, yeah we just, I lived in the house, brought sleeping bags and lived in there and fixed it. So it's, yeah. I really have good friends here. That really, these guys, you can't do that with a regular contractor, right? Yeah, well, that's a testament to the relationships and playing the long game and treating people right. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day. Kevin, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast, where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at com.